Welcome to the second season's Q&A on Untrue Crime. I'm Alex. And I'm Belle. Today's episode includes content warnings for child death and mentions of school shootings. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes mentions of child death and school shootings. Let's get this started, shall we? Let's do this. Woo! We shall. Starting off strong with the entrapment of Mika. First one. I'm a bit confused on the lore here. Is it just Christian theology or does it include other religions? You and so many other people, not to worry. You are not alone in this issue. So, technically, all human religion on Earth in this universe is real and exists in another many different planes. The religion that Vivian and Mika are in and have been created into and cannot I mean, they can technically leave, but it's really complex and they don't really care to because it's kind of like saying, hey, do you want to move to Mars? No, I do not want to move to Mars. Thank you very much. The rocks are rocky there, similar to Earth's rock. And there's ice there. Excellent. Maybe I should move to Mars. But (laughs) (laughs) I like rocks. I like ice. Oh, but I don't like bad Wi-Fi. Yeah, presume that there's bad Wi-Fi in other religious sectors, but so you can't talk to your friends back home very much. Kind of, that actually does make sense. Because when it's you're changing religions, you can't really get in contact with people from your other realms. So they do exist though. They do exist. Yeah, they exist pretty actively and when they come and interact with Earth, they can actually interact with each other. They get to talk to each other, they get to see each other in passing. They are all not technically bound by rules, but there are some rules where it's like you can't be disrespecting each other. They just all generally follow them out of divine connection. There are all of the theologies in this. The theology that Mika and Vivian are in is vaguely the catholic christian blurb but not all of it is right all of the denominations are squished into one they're all a little bit wrong and what it actually looks like is a lot different to what they presume it looks like on earth so if i made up a religion right now would it exist in that universe if i existed in that universe No, because you are not powerful enough as a soul human to do so. However, if you could get a hundred other humans to do it with you and genuinely believe it, like genuinely think this is what is happening and I must commit to this and this is completely real to me and like a hundred other humans. Yeah, that could spawn into existence another religion. Nice. Magic. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Our next question for that episode is, does this episode take place in the same universe as Ring Around the Rosie? If so, I think that's really interesting considering Mika was involved in combating the plague and that French guy was involved in spreading it, especially because the French guy believed he was doing divine work. Was Mika his undoing? Did some enemy of hers reach the guy in Ring Around the Rosie to put those ideas in his head? So many possibilities. No. They do no. not. No, they do sorry. not do that. Uh, that's a really cool theory, though, and 
It's not canon. I'm so sorry to say. Who's to say? I mean, who is to say? <laughs> we say I didn't. I did not write Ring Around the Rosie to take place in the world of divine powers. I suppose technically it could have plausible, but that was not my original intention. So, I mean, he, he must have had a really powerful Garmadian demon if it did. <laughs> so, yeah. You mentioned at the end that Vivian will come to get Mika. Do we get an episode on that, or is that not a crime? Is it a crime? Is it not a crime? I mean, that's that's just for you guys to figure out when I eventually release the next episode, you are correct. But if you've watched Divine Powers, and I feel like some of you have, you know it's coming. Or you don't. I know that the plotline itself is very confusing. Next up, the Stovall artists, because you got to write two episodes in a row, thanks to my life being hectic at the time. Okay. If Muse went missing when she was 16, how could the person in the bed be her? That body was aged at 10. I don't understand why that's a possibility. Well, how do you know the body is Muse? That's a really vast presumption that you've made, especially since we can't tell who the bodies belonged to. Maybe this was a random 10-year-old. Maybe it was Muse. Who are you to say? I think what they're asking is how can we consider the fact that it could be Muse if Muse was 16 when she disappeared, but the body is aged 10. Again, how would we be able to say? We have reference as to what Muse looks like, but we also have reference to what a decayed dead body looks like. (laughs) And the Who's two do not look similar because the body is decayed beyond facial recognition. Rip. R.I.P. So I guess what we're saying is we don't know what happened to Muse. Well, I know what happened to Muse. Well, yeah. It's my I, I, I do too, actually. Yeah, but actually. There's you don't know what happened to Muse. people in the world that know what happened to Muse. Three! But yes, I who's have he, a, who's the third? a little wild card. My wife... I tell her everything. I don't know why I thought it would be anyone else. I'm dedicated. How did no one notice the smell if members of their family owned the house after them? Surely someone could smell a whole rotting human being. I will remind you that they were in a basement that was closed off really well to the point where it took the construction workers to actually find the fact that they had a basement. And this was a large basement filled with art and other things. And then there was the body that was in a separate room all on its own. You do make a good point, though. I will say that the house went to the family after. And I cannot confirm if anyone actually lived in it. Who knows? Or maybe, maybe, maybe it was the family. That put the 10-year-old there. Who's to say? That's just the joke I'm going to keep using this whole time. I'm just going to keep saying that. That's, oh, my, no. that's my phrase for this episode now. That's not a bad theory, though, if the family had used the house of these famous mm-hmm. artists to hide a 10-year-old's body. We don't know what happened to the 10-year-old. We don't, we know. don't know why she's there. That's for you guys to figure out. It's unsolved. Dun-dun-dun. Shaking my head, of course people are debating how Gwen should be creating art during her pregnancy. So fair. 
You can say a lot about me and how stubborn I am and how bitchy I am and how judgmental I am, but I write really well and accurately. So yeah, you're wonderful. I did write I in love sexism, you and you're writing. I love you yes. too. Thank you. Yes, sexism exists in the world, so there it is. You we will also see it. themes of sexism appear through all of our stories because it's yeah something that happens in society and we mm-hmm. feel the need to talk about it and you know i i forget what time period they were in but it was not the 2000s it was like people 19... really cared it was in the 1900s but it was like mid 1900s i think yeah i think so. that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say the 50s but then i thought perhaps that was bold because i didn't actually remember the date i have no idea when it happened i would have to go back and look at the episode to me remember. too me too but yeah, the Stovalls were in a much more sexist time period than we are right now. And, of course, her pregnancy would be the talk of the town. I will also state, for the record, because Art was so personal to them and such a big part of their relationship, I do understand why it was questioned, why she would stop creating art so suddenly and then resume it. But, you know... It goes, it goes all directions. It could be sexism. It could be a genuine concern. We don't see her art. I'm not going to make thousands of poems because she wrote, she wrote a lot. I don't think you guys realize how much these artists created. They were busy. They were busy little bees. All right. Let's go to episode three, Angus Keeler. Every time I read his name, I remove the G. The man who never reached the trial. <laughs> it took me a second. I got it now. <laughs> Angus Keeler, the man who never reached trial. Comment number one. I feel like this is cut and dry. The Eastons have money and they could totally have paid someone off to do this. Yeah, they could have. But we don't have to. Who's to say? Can. Who's to say? I think the really interesting part is less of... I mean... I mean, we. I'm not. I'm not confirming anything, but like we, we all know who has the motive and the and to kill Angus Keeler. But the question is more about how, because the circumstances under which he died were extremely odd, and there were multiple things that just did not make sense together. So how he died is, to me, the greatest mystery of all. But who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? Wasn't he, like, hung up by his underwear or something? By his, I think it was his pants, and he, uh. like, the cell door was locked, the window was not accessible, like, it was, there were people on guard, there were cameras, so it's like, how the hell did that happen? How did you get in, you sneaky little bat? How would somebody get in? How would somebody do that to him? And if he did it to himself, still, how would he do that? It was a, it was a, it would have been a difficult suicide to complete like the circumstances of his death are the oddest thing and this universe has no magic so unless unless of course there was one little bit of magical lore of the pixie murderer who could slip under doors and there is not unfortunately to kill people (laughs) the shadow killer no 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 (laughs) you will not die wicker wicker is crossing episodes (laughs) crossover no there's no magic in that world so okay so it it has to be a human thing had to have been a human being if he was killed by someone else it would have had to be 
a human being. And if he killed himself, he'd have to have been a well, very talented it, individual. He'd be a human being no matter what. Well, yeah. He was hung. I was referencing another yeah. human being. Right, right. No, the dog killed him. The next comment is, Dennis holds the key, I can feel it. Key to his house. <laughs> key to the cell. Key to the cell. Dennis knows something he's not telling anyone. You don't just reject your brother and your parents that coldly unless something happened. Perhaps Charlie isn't the only person that Angus has hurt. I'm dying with the Angus name. I... <laughs> It's really difficult to look at. Got Every time I see yeah. it, I'm a little bit jarring. Yeah, maybe. I think that Dennis Dennis knows a lot more than he lets on. But what does he know? What happened? What happened to the Who's Keeler to family? Say? Very odd. But we don't really have anything from Dennis. And it's not like anyone can arrest Dennis and like question him. He didn't do anything. So He's just being Dennis. He's just living a crime. He's just going to school. He's just having a good time. Driving. Leave Dennis Dennis alone. alone. (laughs) Come at Dennis. Dennis who plays tennis. (laughs) Canon. I have no confirmation that Dennis actually plays tennis. You just got confirmation from me. I know that was that's actually Charlie plays tennis. Oh, I I didn't. I didn't say that he. (laughs) I mean, like I wasn't committed to the idea of him playing tennis before. I'd never thought of it, but it rhymed just now. So I've decided just now Fantastic. he plays tennis. Fantastic. Just like Charlie, but they don't play tennis together. She's too rich for that. Dennis plays tennis and Angus is anus, so. <laughs> the next comment says, this is the worst executed crime in human history. I mean, what the fuck? Excellent in human point. history. Yes. yes. But in magical history, that has to go to Jack. In his treasonous trial. But in human history, treasonous yeah. trial. It was such a stupid and poorly executed crime. No wonder he got caught. I mean, it's horrible that it happened, but it's not shocking that she got out. No, no. He was a moron. And we can acknowledge that. I know you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but he's not real. So... A, my dad's dead, so I actually can pull the death card. Oh, no. And B, this is fictional, so it's not even like I'm Raise making fun of real okay. dead people. Next up, me on you. No, 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 I think. No, 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 I'm go cutting back. you off here. No, no, go back. Go back. Fine. I want to know if you have any comments on me? the episode, because we're just answering comments, questions, and suggestions, mm. but... I feel like it'd be really interesting to get our perspective on the episodes oh. that we wrote. So I want to know oh, okay. from your perspective. My perspective on Angus Keeler? I want to know, I want to know, is there anything behind the scenes that was affected by this trial? Or how did the writing process go? Just talk about it for a little bit. Okay, so Charlie is, and her whole story is written out and completely separate. I pulled this snippet of her history and it like went in deep on it to write this episode i mean like i had details on it obviously because i need to know what happened in a character's past to understand them in their present but i i just i pulled from that story that i had written this instance and i wrote about a scene from the past so in the present writing about charlie and stuff she's she's an adult she's a nascar hotshot she's living her best life but this particular instance, yeah. So this was a 
like a culmination of a lot of problems um, as far as men and feeling entitled to her go in her life. Men. Yeah, really. Uh, so she had multiple that comment we made about sexism just five minutes ago. <gasps> if there's one character where I really write a lot about sexism and how it affects her, it's Charlie. It's Theodore so... Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> For real, it is. More on him later. So I don't know if I described it in the episode, but she had been kid- kidnapped slash attempt kidnapped twice before. So the first instance was when she was pretty little. She was in a, a gas station because they were stopping while on her road trip with her father. And this guy like straight up like snatched her, drugged her, threw her in the back of a truck and drove off. And the it was a whole thing. story about that, but because my friend almost got kidnapped once. But it's so exciting. It's, it's not. not. It's not because this that is a sarcasm, everyone. But no, this is a person that I actually know that almost got kidnapped. Ew. But I will not tell her story because obviously that's not really my place, but I can tell you later. So, yeah, she was fine. Um, she wasn't hurt or anything. But it was spooky, obviously. And then she had another instance, like, broad daylight. She was walking with her mother. And her father had gone into, I think it was a coffee shop. And some guy... I thought you were going to say cardiac arrest for a second. I don't know why I thought that, but I I was, like, dead convinced. (laughs) I was like, she's about to lead into a heart attack. There goes Preston Easton. Down he goes. So somebody, like, physically snatched her away from her mother and was, like, dragging her off. And her father did come back in time and, like, beat the guy the fuck up. Hell yeah. And they got her back and everything. But this was, like, the one that they were like, ooh. Because in this instance, he actually got a hold of her. He got her to secondary location. She was hurt. All these kinds of things. And, of course, it could have ended worse, but that doesn't negate the fact that it was bad. And it was, it's an important moment in her family history and stuff. Y'all can guess why. It's the reason she has her guard dog now, things like that. So it's significant in her past, but I just, I just sniffed it out of her timeline and made an untrue crime episode about it. Um, like beforehand, this guy didn't even have a name or anything, but I, I fleshed it out for the episode. So now I know more about this traumatic event in her life. Yay! Yippee! Yippee! It's the wicker voice. Yippee! Next up, Me on You, which was a great title, by the way. It's so fun and kind of dorky, and then the episode isn't. You, when I first presented this episode, so Alex does not get to see what I'm writing when I'm writing it, and sometimes often does not get to even hear about what I've written until... It's time to and record. Vice versa. And vice versa. But usually I know what you're going to write. Yeah, I'm kind of a blabbermouth about it. Sometimes I just surprise you. But Me on You was a title that she opened and didn't know what was really coming. And it was really funny because it was like, oh, that's a cute title. That's so catchy. And I was like, thank you so much. You're going to love this story so <laughs> much i did not love it i loved it but i didn't like love it you know like i love evil women wonderful episode 
not wonderful for these characters, but you know. It's great for Dr. Sersenox. She's having Cheers. a great time. Rip Whitney Security. I think the death of Whitney was an accident. Dr. Sersenax was doing something kind of shady, but she didn't seem like a killer. She was charitable to all these people who really wanted surgery. Why would she turn around and kill someone she'd been helping, especially when she was interested in saving people like Casey? Great question. Great theory. I love it. I will say Dr. Sersenax was doing something entirely shady. That's weird, and she should not have been doing that. I understand why she was doing it. If her morals were straight but the fact that her morals were a bit skewed is why it's shady to me because if her motives truly were i want to help people and i want to use my medical license to do the most good that i put out into the world for the least cost of everyone involved yeah but then she went and made clones of herself which which i think is shady it's not cool perhaps you dear listener do not think it's shady and it that's what you think. That's a personal opinion. But I personally think it's shady. But you're not wrong. Why would she kill someone? Why would she take that chance? I mean, she's already got something shady running. Why would she just kill someone? And someone that's such a regular client. Yeah, she's getting money. Dr. Sersenox makes money. Yeah, it totally could have been an accident. It could have been on purpose. We just don't know. You said that you were going to tell Alex about the names at the end of the episode, but you never did. What was with the names? Okay, I'm so glad that someone has asked me about the names. Yay! So, all of the names have meaning in this episode. The reason that Daffodil Sersenox had to be named Daffodil Sersenox is because her last name is Narcissus Scrambled, like the Greek legend of Narcissus, whose name directly translates to Daffodil. So her name is Narcissus Narcissus. But Casey Cleon, Casey has no meaning, but Cleon is a gentle scramble of the word clone. And Whitney Securney is Whitney Insecure. So you have Narcissist, you have Insecure, and you have Clone. You have Narcissist, Narcissist. Not I have just Narcissist, 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 Narcissist. Double. I double trouble. That's what I'm saying. And the sister's name did not have any meaning. I just liked it. Kind of loving the voice effects you guys did there for her testimony. Thank you. It was all Belle. That was me. It was really difficult because I forgot that I had two testimonies and it's more difficult to make the same voice effect happen twice. You have ADHD and you forget what you've done two, two minutes after doing it. I liked the slight echo to it as if, like, they were in a courtroom, like, in this recording. I like that. I specifically made it to be like that, where it was, I raised the pitch. I think I slowed down the speed, and I made sure that there was a slight echo so that it sounded like she was talking into the mic of a courtroom. As well as that, like, kind of gritty sound that comes from a mic. I Mm. I tried to add... I tried to make it sound like she was talking into a mic and that the courtroom was clear and everything. I think you did a lovely job. Thank you. Thank you. I don't remember it, so I'm going to presume I did a lovely job. Why was it important that she was wearing a mask? You mentioned it was, but didn't go into detail as to why. Yeah, that was my bad. Uh, That was silly of me. That was goofy. That was not right. Dr. Sersnox wearing a mask was significant because she wore masks to all 
of her appointments and it was covering the fact that her face was the face that she was making on people they could not compare their features to her own she did have a picture in her lobby and you know you can look up pretty much any doctor and find a headshot of them but you know it's a headshot it's photoshopped it's edited you can't really tell and she's smiling and then you see her with her mask on she has all of her features covered so that's the reason that the mask was significant i feel bad that i did not explain it because i did mean to explain it i just forgot to but yes got carried away i got carried away i was writing it and this was something that i distinctly remember and then seeing it and going oh no i didn't write why that was significant and that was my bad. Well, it's also part of like our job when we're the listener and not the storyteller to ask questions and cause things to circle back where needed for clarification and stuff. So that was partly on me too. I could have been like, wait, what about the mask? That's but okay. I forgot about it also. That's okay. Because frankly, it makes me a better writer to make public mistakes. Yeah. Exactly. Yay! Thank you. My comments on this episode, because this is the, you know, we only we only select a few of the submissions for each one because, you know, mm-hmm. some of them are like, that was really cool. And we know it's really cool. Like, but thanks, that's cool. Not, that's not, it's substantial to us. We really like hearing that it was really cool. We do really like compliments and stuff, but we generally only put in. Like, if you would like to compliment us, yeah, go ahead. We love that. Love it. We eat it up. Every single one. And then we text each other and we're all excited. But overall, we put in the ones that are interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. This episode specifically, I knew that I wanted to go into psychological horror rather than physical mutilation. Because I feel like on Untrue Crime, we had done a lot of murder cases. And we're, you know, a true crime podcast. That's what we do we do murder and we do horrific things and i thought it would be really cool to incorporate a moral case into it of this technically is not illegal but did she actually kill her but the bigger crime is that she mutilated a bunch of women but are they actually mutilated it's all up to the viewer to distinguish their morals and figure out if they think that this was a crime and i really like that about this episode I also really like the characters in it. I thought I did a really great job with their characterization. And the positions that they were put in. I thought that it was very realistic. I liked it a lot. I It was like a deeper episode, which I have a tendency... I'm gonna, I mean, I'll be real here. I have a tendency to be writing my untrue crime episode like the day before we record and being like, oh no. And I'm just trying to get it out. Oh, I've written them day off. Yeah, me too. Oops. So, sometimes I tend to slack off when it comes to like the real moral depth of things for some of them. But I thought that was a really profound question that you had raised. Thank you. I thought that it was really interesting. I like that it was a mix of both a moral question and a did she kill her? Did she kill this woman and get away with it? But the problems are twofold. Yeah. All right, I'm done talking about Dr. Sersenox. It won't be the last time you hear about her because I love her so much, so she'll probably come up in other episodes. But 
We're going to move on to the night before Christmas, an episode that I personally was horrified with. I did not <laughs> love hearing it, but you know what? Thank you. It was really exciting to listen to. It was fantastic writing. Thank you. Thank you. I felt unnerved, so I felt like that's good. If, I... if I'm unnerved, it's going well. So a little behind the scenes, I knew that this was coming and I was still unnerved because we had discussed what we wanted mm-hmm. to do for the Christmas episode. And we we collaborated on that a little bit. Just the idea, like we were throwing out ideas, but I ultimately did leave it to Alex, of course, because she has her own creative vision and I knew that I could trust her in whatever direction she wanted to go with it. But I was still horrified, still traumatized. It was a lot, especially for crimes against children. Yeah. Crimes against children are hard. But... Little teaser. I have a not a fun one coming up. I have one that I'm really <laughs> excited to present in the next season. So keep a look out. I, I do too. Candy it's from not a white about van. children. Ooh, is that the title? Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like I've heard you talk about that before, but you didn't give me any specifics. So, because oh, that's that's right. Because we were deciding which one we should record. Because we had like multiple that we were going for, and you were like, should I? Which one should it be? And I think I chose the graveyard shift instead of white you, van. Or was it another you one? Had where chosen it, three remember. different ones that it could be backup episodes, and they did not qualify for backup episodes because they were too interesting. In your words, right? Right. We uh, we've 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 decided to avert the problem of having to take a break in a week that's just like the worst. Um, and we've had a lot of those weeks episodes. this season. I to just say that we have really gone through the ringer. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a rough season, but we've tried to put out as content regularly. We did slack off one week, but I wouldn't even say we slacked off because what happened that week is it was our last week seeing each other for a good long while. So we were yeah. trying to savor the time that we had together, and I personally find that much more pressing than on true crime, yeah. and I think that our viewers will as well because they would like this main. The, the relationship to maintain so their podcast may maintain but yes. i just want to say to the viewers me on alka seltzer night i was really sick and then i traveled oh my the next God, week you were so sick and then the week after that i caught the flu and i couldn't record yeah. because i sounded so god awful and i was coughing and vomiting and throwing up yeah well, ca- vomiting you have been up, sick this whole time and I have been hit with, like, every emotional punch this season. It's so insane. we have both been suffering greatly, just in different ways. Yeah. It's been a lot. Yeah. So if you're ever wondering, oh, are they falling out of love with untrue crime? No. 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 But life is falling out of love with us. So it was just the worst. So We're hoping things calm down. Yes. So let's get to the comments. I feel like it could have been the nurse that took care of the old lady. He would have had access to the computer that the family owned if he was caring for the lady that her, when her sons weren't around. Great theory. I love that theory. He was only vaguely mentioned at the end, but it totally could have been him. He, all the brothers, and te- I mean technically Madge, the old lady, had access to the computer, so who could it have been? I cannot speak to his shifts or like how long he was there and stuff. Or anything like that, and was the he probability. Hospice? Hmm? Was he hospice or was he an at-home nurse? 
No, he was an at-home nurse. Like okay. he would he would come come by. Match is despite being 90 is actually not on hospice yet. Wow. Go mad. She's still kicking. Next one. Okay. I actually I actually want to say that I do really like that theory. Uh, I think that's fun. I love that theory. Next one. Okay, now how in the hell did this random kid survive in the woods for eight days? I'm going to speak. If you've ever met a child, you will know (laughs) that they they are resilient. And they are very resilient. They'll eat things. They they eat leaves just for fun. I'm sure she found a leaf bush to just gnaw on. Maybe she found a cliff bar. Wait, she was in a shed. Yes, speaking to the actual reason, she was locked in, I forget the word for it because I don't do hunting, but it's one of those things, my my uncle has one where it's like a, it's a construct, it was made of wood, so it was, it was better insulated than say like a tent. She gnawed on Um, the wood. With like small, very thin windows that you can put a rifle through to hunt deer and stuff. And so there would have been things in there for her like snacks water bottles things like that and she would have been better insulated because it it was cold i don't remember i think i said this i said this in minnesota so it was cold there minnesota winters are not to fuck with but she was in a sheltered place with food and water so it wasn't fun but it was something she could survive fantastic i love when children survive me too which is ironic because I wrote that. Yeah, <laughs> you did write that. You wrote that and you wrote it I did horrifyingly. That. That, was on, that was me. Headcanon that the 90-year-old lady was the one running around town chopping the children to pieces. Yeah, it was her, like, last last hurrah, probably. In Great many cases, <laughs> there are points where, and it's re- it's, like, right before death. Like, it's days before death that your loved one and it's a not very eerie it's like a little bit frightening for the caregivers because it's they act completely normal people that haven't walked for months Mm -hmm. get up out of bed and start doing things and that's what she did yeah for sure yeah she was premeditating this the entire time she was on bed rest i don't know what she had but that's she wrote it on her palm to make sure that she she knew (laughs) kill them kill the children kill the the kids this is sarcasm by the way this this case is still open so she could have done it she could have but we don't know that she did if this is set in a modern setting and they have audio and visual recordings of saint nicholas could they not have identified which brother it was with a forensic scientist so as far as visual he was like fully dressed as Santa Claus, beard and all, had the hat. It's difficult to tell really one mall Santa from another. Um, and that's kind of the problem we have there. As far as audio goes, I know he did something to the mic to distort it a little bit, but I also he didn't say much on it. It was not really enough evidence to fully say oh that's definitely that brother especially when they are brothers they're very similar in appearance and voice and things like that so also they're triplets that's my headcanon i mean i never said they're, they're not identical triplets, they triplets. yeah sure okay. no they're not they i i can't they can't be because <laughs> one of them is i specifically stated which brother was eldest and middle and youngest for different things so they can't be triplets but 
they they it could have been any one of them there just wasn't enough evidence all right do you got any comments about this episode do you have any apologies so, to make? <laughs> I, I would like to make a public apology for uh anyway so this oh episode. but you didn't finish your public apology to me i didn't i didn't because i apologize for nothing and no one actually oh so yeah i've I never heard started... you apologize for anything <laughs> The joke is not that I'm a bad friend. The joke is that I apologize for everything. Yeah. Um. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> I'm really particular. Yeah. It's We flip those around. Yeah. So I started writing this episode, and I, I specifically wanted one that was very deeply unsettling, just for the Christmas spirit. Of course. Uh, generally, I don't write my episodes with, like, the She's the Grinch. Of, I'm going to make this gross. You know, like, my goal is not typically gore when I go into an episode. But for this one, I just wanted to make it such a terrible thing to have released on the week of Christmas. Honestly. So we did talk a little bit about ideas for the episode. Because we wanted one that, like, stood out for the Christmas episode. We we thought it would be funny as a true crime podcast to have a Christmas episode. Because it would be so (laughs) out of character. (laughs) so we i knew it was going to be centered around something christmas related and i actually there was another you know the title of it is the night before christmas in reference to the poem which is in fact public domain however originally i did ask around a certain song it's actually like one or two years away from being public domain and then i realized it wasn't public public domain and i was like fuck and i had to scrap it all and i was so mad save it two years down the line yeah two years two years later we're gonna get the christmas the original christmas episode yeah which was actually a little more horrifying than this one oh fantastic this one was a bit of a toned down version but i i liked the idea of this whole like evil santa shit in the stockings naughty and nice and this because i've also always thought it was so odd that like the concept of oh yeah there's just like some random guy who watches you and decides whether you're a good person or not but he's actually just a guy and then he will give you coal so actually part of my original idea was that there was there's gonna have there was gonna have some kind of like fire involved to go with the whole coal thing and it was gonna be more of like burning down houses but that that changed trajectory, and it ended up with children in boxes and stockings. Fantastic. Make sure you're on the nice list. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. The repeated kiss. Okay, I'm going to try to pronounce this, and it's not going to be right. I'm so excited. If reality is so blurry in Shitara... Oh, no. I'm learning... Skitterick. I couldn't remember. Bella's yeah. the one learning Dutch, not me. Okay, if reality is so, if reality is so blurry in Skitterick, how do we know that anything Sorelia saw was real? How do we know that Sarai was really guilty? So I will remind you that it is not Skitterick that is blurry. It is specifically with the Drom's folk and the and the Drom Castile. So we know that it was real because we have. Osira, who is not from Skitterik nor the Drome Castile. So 
So she is an outside perspective. This is her first big New Year celebration that can confirm that this was entirely real. And we have that recording, too. Yeah. So obviously, when you have a society that's based around the fact that they can switch from a dream realm to a real, quote unquote, like the real world. And we try not to call it that specifically because the dream realm is as real as the mortal realm in this universe. There's going to be precautions set up to make sure that this didn't just all happen in a dream. So, can confirm Sarai was truly guilty. This is a solved case with evidence in the court. Yay! We don't get enough of this. And it had a happy ending, which was really nice, considering yeah. what happened in the previous Christmas episode. Our New Year's episode was nice. Yeah! Love that whole loop thing in the writing. Made me want to bash my head into a wall. Yeah, you and me both. You're so welcome. It was very clever. It was also a little frustrating, but that was part of why it was clever. It was. As the listener, you were then forced into her shoes, and that's why I did it, is that... So... I'll discuss this a little bit more in depth when I talk about my feelings about the episode. I had to have help with this episode from not Alex, but my wife. I had to reach out and I was like, hey, I don't know how to write this. I really need someone to talk it through with me. And she was the one that suggested that I have repeating details so that way it was more of a loop. But then I was the one that took it all the way and I had this script almost of the exact paragraph that I wanted to be repetitive and i thought that that would help make the listener feel as though they were in the time loop and i i I did think that that was clever of me i thought that that was a well put way to go about it so that you all could feel how frustrated she felt and the fact that she was living a nightmare essentially I like how Osira believes Sorelia about the time loop. I've never seen a time loop where someone they asked to help has actually done anything. Yep. I also really liked that Osira believed Sorelia. I think that that was also well done of me that I had someone believe her. Because I'm also irritated by the fact that people don't help in time loops. But I thought that it was very realistic that Osira was going to believe Sorelia, who was Drome's folk, about what was happening with the surrealism of repeating times. What's up? If I came to you and I said, Belle, I'm in a time loop, would you believe me? Absolutely not. I think that you were off the map. To be fair, I wouldn't believe you either. I know. I notably don't believe in anything supernatural um, or divine I do, or existential. I, I don't believe in time travel. I think there's too many flaws in it, but that's also like a physics thing. And I, yeah, I don't only know physics. physical physics, and that's too much. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, I would not be helpful in a time loop for you. No. So, rip. Sorry. Okay, no. next question. Seems like a really cool setting. Will you guys do more episodes set in this world? I made Skitorik specifically for this episode. I made the I made this whole universe for this one episode, and I fell in love with it. 
I plan to do so much more with it one day. Maybe not right now, but one day, definitely. All right, thoughts on the episode? Thoughts, feelings, questions, and comments. Go. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to return to talking about my wonderful, beautiful wife. And she had to sit with me and talk me through how I could do this episode where I... So, if you know the last episode, The Graveyard Shift, and how that was in first person, this was the first iteration of first person writing, where I asked her, I said, as a viewer, would you be okay with hearing a first person perspective for this case? I don't know how I'm going to do it otherwise, because it's too difficult for me to write something from a camera-esque perspective and not a god-esque perspective. And that was the struggle with it, is I didn't know how to do that. And I hate time loops. That's the other thing about this episode, is I actually, until I wrote it, was a time loop hater. It's my one of my least favorite tropes. I was going to say that I didn't really like time loops before. One time participated in a thing through my my, my high school long ago, where I... Long wrote ago. a play shut the fuck up they can't know how old i am um where i wrote a play and it was performed and stuff through the school it was performed well yeah it, most things okay. right not make it to the stage bell okay well i presume that you were the best writer there so of course you're thinking I mean, you the stage but I, I wrote it, it was performed, and I wasn't sure that I really loved it. Honestly, when I was done writing it, I was like, this isn't going to translate well. This is, this is, this is, I fucked up. But I was out of time to scrap and start over like I had already done like three times. So I was like, well, this is the end result. And I, I handed it over to the powers that be. And... The the actors for it and the girl that directed it did an incredible job. It was good. I was like, oh, it did translate well. I was really happy with it. And since then, I have been more fond of the whole time loop kind of thing. I still don't love it, but it, it fit the needs for that specific play. What I felt with this episode where it was interesting, the fact that these are people that leave their actual mortal plane and they disappear occasionally and that's just what they do and then now this being is stuck in this equally as confusing time loop i will also say shout out to my wife she made the name for this realm i asked her skitterick and she because i reached out and i asked her how to say it in german she's like well do you want to hear it in dutch as well and i said yeah i actually wanted to hear it in dutch first but i was afraid that you would judge me <laughs> but she yeah she was a dream she helped me very much with this episode we did not plan to have a new year's episode but i thought it was gonna be fun so i wrote it it was fun i liked it i liked it i thought it was a good episode i'm a supporter of it but you know what I'm not a supporter of? What? What is it? What are you not a supporter of? Jack. Welcome Me to neither. the treasonous trial of Jack. Ugh. Again. He yeah. stole Arena's well, pants. 
Lucky you. And you know what? He should have been charged with theft for that, too. He should have. He should have. Nafel had every right to, re- to eat him for stealing her. Arena's pants, not for any other crime. And Phineas's happiness. <laughs> yeah, and Phineas's happiness. <laughs> because all of his happiness. That's so Clara Blakely core. Alright, let's get to let's get to the comments. You mentioned that Jack could, in fact, understand the laws that he was breaking and that you get back to that, but you didn't. How do you know he understood if he couldn't speak their language? Yeah, there there we go again saying, yeah, we'll talk about that later and then not covering it. So but I did have like the evidence for it in the episode. At the end, despite having like in been speaking very oddly this whole time like like it didn't make sense the the way that he was able to speak falchion their language because he could like it didn't make sense which words he knew and which words he didn't and the whole way it just didn't seem like somebody who only knew part of a language it just seemed weird and that was consistent throughout the whole thing and we we know like he has broken speech and stuff when he's speaking falchion and then at the end, he starts speaking perfectly clearly in Falchion. And he's like, you guys are the worst. I hate you guys. This trial's rigged. So we know that he could speak Falchion all along. He was just pretending not to. Why is up Me to interpretation. But like, you know, the, the one that uh, we always talk about is that like he knows the word portholes but he doesn't know the word i he do the word portholes that's not a word that people know it's Ask very me what very a porthole is i wouldn't be able to tell you i don't know what a porthole is in french you don't know what a porthole is in dutch why would we nope. know that no so and it's weird it's just weird for jack and he did in fact speak fluent falchion the entire time so the question is why was he being weird why wasn't he just speaking falchion maybe it was because he wanted to give off this air of being unthreatening maybe he wanted to be able to have people speak more freely around him so he'd eavesdrop we don't know but he could in fact speak falchion the whole time and i didn't make note of it in the episode but he was clear on what was expected of him in falchia when he arrived the next comment says the tail part at the trial made me laugh so hard Every part of that trial made me laugh. That whole trial was a fucking disaster. I loved writing that episode. It was so funny. And it was pulling from writing that we'd done for another universe. So, but I could talk about that later. Jack really tried to go up against Wicker and she pulled up with a fucking army. Wicker is so underappreciated. I'm a Wicker supporter. I love Wicker. She's like the worst sometimes, but like in necessary ways. Someone needs to do it. She gets the job done. So yeah, yeah, Jack is so meekor. Yeah. She, she Jack is like, what are your credentials? And she's like, do you want that alphabetically, numerically? Like, so I I love Wicker. And then we have a series of questions that Belle has proposed for us. Yep, for that record. was me. That was me specifically. Yep. What was Jack? We don't know. Why was Jack? God knows. Who was Jack? A mess? A mistake? How was Jack? Not well. Yehi? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. So, episode summary. So we mentioned in this episode, this was something that we collaborated 
the original writing, we collaborated on other writers that we are friends with for, and then we translated it into an untrue crime episode with their permission. So yes, it was it was it was more of a um, a group effort, which is why there, there's so much more to this whole entire case, but it just wouldn't fit in an untrue crime episode. And it would end up being boring and confusing. So we cut out most of the fluff and just discussed the trial itself because the trial was so much fun to write. I remember we were all collaborating on it and we stayed up so late because we were having so much fun working on this. I was giggling. I was giggling and I was kicking my feet. It was great. I loved it. I'm Nafel as well. I'm Nafel and yes. Numa. So I got to eat Jack and at Niall. The end of the trial. And I'm Niall and all 53 sirens. (laughs) I write for Irina. I write for Wicker. I don't know who all was involved in this. I write for Grok. You write for Saturn. Saturn was involved in this. Yeah. You you wrote for Jack. I did write for Jack for a little while um, because the original writer who wrote for Jack was unable to do so. And there's a lot behind that. But... That's a true crime. That's a true crime. Unfortunately. Celine is written by a friend of ours, so is Phineas. But yeah, it was it was just a lot of fun. Loved I loved writing that originally, and I loved translating it into a true crime episode. So So let's move on to Flesh Flies. And you might be wondering, this did not seem like Belle's writing. This seemed like Alex's writing. We ran into another unfortunate incident that week and had to release our only edited backup episode. Yeah. Yippee! So that's why I was narrating at that point in time, because I did, in fact, write that one. Yep. So let's talk about it. Go. Anika seemed rather obsessed with finding out what happened to Ernest. She was watching the newspaper, coming into work all the time. She took his cat in the end and visited the cabin. I think she was obsessed with him and she killed him because she- Whoa! Because he was planning to move away. She just seems way too invested in a guy that happened to come to her coffee shop for 10 minutes a day. Holy moly. I mean, it's possible. It could be. I mean, I think Anika's just a sweetheart, but then it is an unsolved case, so who who knows? Maybe. Oh, this was from my wife. I love that you tried your best, but that's still not how you pronounce the cat's name. Yep. Well. Thank you, wife. We appreciate you. Thank you. We know. I know. I knew it was wrong. I said it was wrong in the I episode. Knew it was wrong. I announced that I apologize publicly to all German speakers about my pronunciation of the cat's name, but I am just a dumb American, and we have to accept that and move on because there's not much I can do about it. And I'm it still learning Dutch. And yeah. that's not even Dutch. So, <laughs> Also, shout out to Bella's wife. I love her. Um, this was not a I love a her. Mean, <laughs> this was not a mean comment by any means. Just so we're no. all on the same page. No. Um, I am also but, friends you know, with Bella's you wife. Get, you get a, a message at one in the morning. And it's, <laughs> that's not how you pronounce that. Well, listen, she knew what she was walking into. She does. She did, and I told her that I didn't she, know how to pronounce it at first. So she must assume responsibility. She she actions. must. You know what? She must resume responsibility for not telling me how to pronounce this way in advance. Did yeah. I? She should have 
told me. Yeah. She didn't know, but honestly, as my wife, she should have divinated her way. Actually, yeah. So. So really, this is all on her. Yep. Another artist episode. I said, I love you, my wife. You know who you are. Obviously, you're my wife. I don't say unmarried. Another artist episode. I'm sensing a theme. Is Anika an admirer of the Stovall artist's work? If they took place in the same universe, which I believe they did both take place on, like a realistic version of Earth. Yeah, I believe they took place, they could have taken place in the same universe. Possibly. But then again, Anika was living in a time like of covid which i believe it was 2022 because i just checked um that the stovall artist's little resident 10 year old was uncovered so she might have abruptly become un a fan of the stovall artists or i mean maybe anika is a true crime fan maybe she became a stovalls I will also mention that Anika is German, and the Stovalls are American artists, so mm-hmm. Anika probably does not care very much about them. That's Possibly. my guess. I mean... Prominent artists are still prominent artists, but... Yeah, that's fair. Alright. Comments, comments, comments. So, notes on this episode. I got this episode idea when I... Okay. So, there was not a dead body in this location, as far as I'm aware. (laughs) I just saw, like, a bunch of flies on a windowsill. There was, like, some kind of, like, food there or something. It was gross. Anyway, I saw it, and I thought, that's nasty. And so I just kind of got the idea of, well, you know what? Flies love dead things. And I imagine that there would be flies that would congregate on windows like i had this image of like a window in my mind with flies all over it on the inside because there was a body on the inside which is really horrifying actually if you think about it i don't like but then i just (laughs) i I ran with it have that thought (laughs) i ran with it from there and i like i like you that was an inside thought that was a really good definition of an inside thought (laughs) listen you this is my comments on the episode i could my inside thoughts are supposed to become outside thoughts in this part. No, not that one. <laughs> so then I got the idea of, like, what if there was, like, a case where the presence of flies alerted someone to the fact that there was a body on the inside? And then I just wrote a case about that. And this was supposed to be a backup episode that we were going to use later. And then we used it, like, immediately. So I still need to write another backup episode to replace this one. Yep, that's us. Yeah. So then I also had a lot of fun with, as far as actually writing it goes, I I wanted to, like, create a very realistic portrayal of somebody who was suffering mentally because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Because that's a lot of people out there. And part of the whole realistic picture was part of the reason why it's so ambiguous. Because mental health is not just, like, checking off a bunch of boxes on a list. You don't have every symptom at every moment of every day. It's confusing. It's messy. It's people's minds. That kind of stuff is not straightforward. And I Ernest know my is a mind's man... not straight. Me neither. Cheers I'm to that. I'm a lesbian. 
I'm bisexual. But I liked the idea of writing a character whose healing wasn't completely linear, whose, his, whose decline in mental health was not linear, who had very realistic mental health problems that may or may not have led to his downfall. And also, I liked making note of the fact that his mental health was all swept up in this case, too. Because it was eventually ruled a suicide despite some suspicious circumstances. And I think that often in, in real life, mental health is given, is thrown out to be like, well, they were kind of sad. Happened, Maybe it was so... a suicide. And that's a lot, of, that a lot of cases have been written off because of people's mental health. So I felt like it was a realistic portrayal of everything. I agree. I like how mental health is handled in this episode. And that's pretty high praise coming from me. Yeah. But you, you've you always handled mental health well. I mean, I will never not take the chance to gloat about my writing partner here. <laughs> All right. So because we had a backup episode in the middle of it, you also have Ring Around, Ring around the, the Rosie. Rosie. Yay. Pocket full of posies. I want you guys to know that I think this episode should have been Bring Around the Rosary. But we did not do that. So. Okay, well then, now why did you not bring this up before we posted it? Because I would have changed the title (laughs) right then and there. I love that. I love that. I mean, I can go back and I can change it, but. (laughs) No, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be ethical. I don't know why. It doesn't feel right. Damn it, though. Okay. Oh, see, now you've got... I hit you with Dutch names and you hit me with French names. We're both equally disturbed by the opposing language. So Guillaume, the first name. Guillaume. Guillaume. What's his last name? His last name. Oh, well, I don't remember, but it rhymes. Yeah, it's like Guillaume Simon. His last name. Guillaume Simon. Guillaume Simon. You could just call him Gilmot if you want to be really American about it and really upset our French viewers since How we've did already Guillemot? upset. German viewers. German viewers. I, I've, I've upset our Dutch viewers plenty. Yeah. We just one by one are saying different <laughs> words in different languages to upset various regions of the globe. Specifically Europe. Specifically Europe. Specifically but... Europe. I mean, it's Europe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean. We only say that because Europeans are typically very upset with Americans existing. Just so yes. we're all aware. This is more of a retaliation than anything. Mm-hmm. If you guys don't want us to be angry at you, you cannot be angry at us. <laughs> Cheers. And stop bringing up school shootings as a way to it's, deal with Americans. Please, it's God, right. stop. It's, it's rude. It's disrespectful to actual children that are dying. And what the fuck do you think I'm going to do about it? So, Also, not my fault. It's scary for us. Do you think that we're not terrified by our children dying? No, for real. Not cool, man. You brought up our trauma in an app in a. Oh, you're drinking tea, haha, British. Well, your mother died when you were twelve, and (laughs) it horribly traumatized you. Yeah. Um. Personally, I've mentioned on here a couple times that issues due to your father's early leave. (laughs) <laughs> I, I've mentioned on here a couple times that I worked in an elementary school. Um, I do not at this current 
moment I am in college and I'm working on getting my degree and it is mid-semester but I I mean there have been there was an incident not a severe incident but there was an incident at the school when I worked there there was a minor incident when I went to public school like it's not it's not funny it's not quirky it's it's awful. And if you think that the people that are in those schools, like on the ground, aren't scared and saddened and horrified and disgusted, you're wrong. So it's it's just, it's not silly and goofy to just like throw school shootings at people when they're like teasing you about saying Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Okay. I'm off my soapbox. That's our, that's our, that's our, so, that's our soapbox for That's today. our thing for the day. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's really bad. And you guys cannot like Americans all you want, but don't bring kids into it. Mm-mm. Make fun of us for anything else. Don't bring our dead kids into it. So how did Guillermo not <laughs> die before infecting the village? His wife was sick and then he went around plague victims. Mm-hmm. So Bitch had B12 takes- vitamins. Yeah. The plague kills in three days after symptoms appear. But symptoms can start anywhere from two to eight days after infection. So this whole thing was in a very condensed amount of time. It seems like a lot of time because I talk for like a long time, but it's a condensed amount of time. So I I have my timeline right here because, of course, I've read through these questions. and I knew I would have to answer this one. Day zero. The day he's exposed. He is exposed when he is treating the victim, or when he is with the victims. He was not exposed by his wife. His wife went to go work at the church and stayed at the church, working with plague victims, and died in the church. He did not see her between the time that she went to the church, and actually ever after that, because then she died. So, day zero, he's with plague victims, he gets infected. Day one, he's traveling. Day two, he's traveling, and he begins poisoning the village. Days three and four, he's just waiting for symptoms to appear. And day five, villagers begin to get sick, and so does Gilmont. So he took longer to start showing symptoms than certain other people. And there's a lot of medical factors that go... I'm not a doctor, but there's a lot of medical factors that go into when are you going to start showing symptoms? When are you going to die? Like, are you immunocompromised? All these kinds of things. So it really just depends on you and your body when you're going to start showing symptoms of the plague. So, and then he becomes very sick right after, of course, he has the plague. He confesses the day before his death, and then he dies on day eight. And Fue, the other doctor, the not bad doctor, the real doctor, records... Real doctors! I love real doctors. I love Fue! He was great! Then he died! Yeah. So, I mean, it's the plague. I wished he could have lived, but I had to be a realistic. Yeah. So, like I said, it takes a while for his symptoms to begin showing, but then he does die rapidly, just like anyone else would. So that is why he was able to get to the next village and start infecting them before he died. Fantastic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how the theory of humors relates to the case. Could you explain? 
Absolutely. The theory of humorous is a very outdated and incorrect medical little system device, whatever the fuck you want to call it, that was used back in D-Day. I believe the ancient Greeks thought it up, but don't quote me on that. The theory it's a of shame that no one would ever humorous. be able to quote you on that because you were having this private conversation with me that will not be published anywhere. Yeah. I'll, ch- I'll go check if it was the Greeks. Oh, I, I, I was saying that as Yes, a it was the Greeks. It was the Greeks. I was right. It's always Ancient the Greeks. Because um, they didn't I know love- what was going on. Theory of humors. Essentially, the way it works is there's four bodily fluids that they give a shit about. Oh despite the fact that there's actually a lot of bodily fluids one should give a shit about. They care about yellow bile, black bile, blood, and phlegm. Any doctor now phlegm. would shudder at the theory of humors, but essentially the way it works is that they're associated with different elements, and they are also associated with seasons, body parts, stages of life, and they're all interconnected. So, like, based on what is present, you know what is wrong with the person. Like, are, is there, are they coughing up blood? Okay, we refer to the theory of humors. I believe blood is related to the heart, they believed, and it was associated with spring and the planet Jupiter. It was associated with air as like a element. It was related to hot and moist climates. It was related to the stage of adolescence. So then you kind of like go down this stupid fucking rabbit hole. Anyway... The, the idea is that the bodily fluids determine a lot about a person. So if there's an imbalance in them, that leads to a certain sickness. Whether you have too much phlegm or too little phlegm or whatever. So they believe that the... I'd be horrified with the amount of saliva I produce. <laughs> well, see, they don't actually care about that as a bodily fluid. Oh. That doesn't, that doesn't well, matter. It's gotta be phlegm. <laughs> cough at them and they'd, they'd lose their shit yeah so then they determine the real fear of humor is they look at what is present and then they use their remedies to try to rebalance the amount of these certain quote unquote elements in the body and they they try to return everything to equilibrium one could say I understand that got kind of confusing in the episode especially because he misunderstood it in a way that's almost more correct, but also not the theory of humors. Um, Gilmore. He was decided, right, but he was very wrong. <laughs> he was right, but for the wrong reasons. So the whole theory of humors is like you use what's like the phlegm or whatever, and you say, oh, there's phlegm, so that means this is wrong. We got to rebalance it. He interpreted it to mean, oh, there's phlegm. Phlegm is plague. I take the plague to the next village. And I take plague right with me. That bodily fluids that are infected with the plague contain the plague. Yes, but he was wrong about his execution. He was wrong about a evil. lot of things. <laughs> he was. He had, he, so there wrong. was not a moment where he was right in that story. No, no, certainly not. Except for when he um, died. Yeah. So it was. The theory of humors was around for quite a while. It did start to fall out of favor in like the 1600s, which is about 300 years after this outbreak of the plague. 
Um, and it was like definitively proven false in like the mid 1800s. It was around for a while. It was not correct. Yeah. You don't truly need to understand the theory of humors to understand the episode. All you need to really need to understand is that a theory was explained to him. He interpreted it right slash wrong and used it to kill people because he was a dick. He was a dick. And he was, he was a total dick. Insane. Yeah. Insane in the membrane. For real. But they don't know what membranes <laughs> are back then. Silly you. The next comment is Fue should have killed him. <laughs> I agree with that. No, be- no, because I actually disagree with that. I love what Fue did. Because could he let Fue him die of the plague. Have killed him right then and there? Yes. But that would have put him out of his misery. What Fue did was he left him to suffer like the worst disease ever. He had to sit there and die of the plague that he had inflicted on so many other people. And if that is not, like, just desserts. Like, okay, you want to give plague to other people? Well, you take the plague. You go die of the plague plague now. You You don't get, like, a quick, you know, smack in the head or, like, a slash throat and you're gone in two seconds. No, you have to wait all three days. You have to suffer. If you're going to give children the plague, then... You can have it. You know what? You get the plague. You get the plague. It's yours now. Yeah. I love what Fue did. I think that Fue's, like, obviously there was nothing he could have done, but I think Fue technically did kill him. Where it's like, you were there to help people and you did not help him. And I understand why you didn't help him. He left him to his fate. Which, there's nothing Fue could have done to save him. There was a little bit he could have done to ease his suffering, but to be fair, Fue had tons of people on his hand who were suffering of plague and if if i was in his position i understand this is in the medical field like it's not right to discriminate between patients based on morality but like if i was fue and it was 13 it's not frowned upon you can get like discontinued from the medical community well yeah anyway but the point is if i was fue and i had a choice and there were no repercussions between Easing a little bit of the suffering of some innocent person with the plague and easing the suffering of the man who intentionally gave tons of people the Black Death. Well, son, I know which way I'm going. I know, yeah, no, I'm I'm with him. I'm also like that. But I'm more one man, this is a village of six. I would have put needles under his (laughs) pillow. Bro. As you should, frankly. I think that yeah. it's, what he did yeah. was genuinely monstrous. Oh, great. Yep. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the fact that I was on Alka Seltzer Night. <laughs> <laughs> because someone has told me that we do not have a scarlet fever vaccine that strep. Um, I'd like to say that the the mysterious disease that I was trying to convey, the tube disease was polio. <laughs> yeah, when they put him the in the reason that iron, I yeah. the iron lung, yeah. I yeah. could not figure out what it was called because I was on medication, but that was making me sleepy and a little bit also, loopy. You were so tired. You were so, so tired sick. and sick. And yup, that's that's polio and that was the iron lung and I was so relieved when i finally figured out what it was but everyone else knew what it was so that's pretty cool i also learned from a friend of ours that 
apparently up until the 2000s they gave the polio vaccine orally on a sugar cube but there was this fun little side effect where sometimes it would give a child polio and so you'd have a sugar cube and you would get polio it's like that trade-off thing where it like meme where it's like you get a sugar cube but you also get polio you get you we re- have- you get sugar cube you receive po- polio <laughs> we have this wonderful friend who i shall not name for her privacy who is in fact a doctor and not who a doctor. She's not a, not a doctor. She's nurse practitioner. Nurse practitioner. I don't know. Yeah, she does be. medicine. She t- she tells me all the time. It's it's kind of a running joke where I call her a doctor, and she's like, "Not a doctor, nope." Because I've been doing that since she was like not fully certified. Anyway, whatever. Point is, I do my best to try to make things as medically accurate in these episodes. Not only because I I'm a freak for accuracy in general, but also because I know that she will know. If I am yeah. wrong. <laughs> you can imagine my horror when I got a message about the the tube disease <laughs> that I couldn't identify. I would have cried. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. But she she messaged me about this episode, by the way, and told me she liked the plague episode. So I, I felt like that was the accomplishment. Like I've I've done it. I've won life now. It was a whole episode about disease, and she was like, Yeah, I liked that. And I was like, Yes. Finally. Yes. I've won her approval. <laughs> Peer approval! Thank God. Alright, comments, comments. Comments. I I considered writing this about other plague-related issues. In fact, I cut out a ton of stuff I wrote in the beginning about the plague. You know me. I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast that I'm a history major. I love history, these kinds of things. And I do find the plague of interest. So, like, like any, like any historian. Did you know that in famines, Probably. if you do not consume enough calories, you suffer this <laughs> fort- unfortunate, unfortunate event of death or malnutrition? Yeah, I'm taking a famines in world history course right now, and that was, like, a point that I read in a journal that someone published about famine where they were like we've noticed there's a correlation between famine and malnutrition and i was like no no that's where that joke comes from but anyway plague so i i care a lot about the plague i have a lot of feelings about the plague and it makes me so sad but i wanted to write an episode set during the plague in general and then i had i had to I was saying that I ha- that's what I was saying earlier. I was saying that I had to cut out a bunch of stuff I wrote about the plague because I, g- I got too into it, just like talking about the plague before talking about the case. Um, and also some of it was just too, too dark. <laughs> so oh, it's the Black Death, so. Yeah, it was a really unfortunate <laughs> time. <laughs> really not pleasant. Yeah. People weren't, well, actually, people were throwing parties. Some people saw it and they were like, well, we're all going to die, so we might as well party it up. So I guess hey, some people had fun. Very Floridian of them. Yeah. Okay. The Graveyard Shift. Incredible season finale. Let's start with that. Thank I you. loved this episode. I think this is my favorite episode from the season, or possibly that you've written. Wow. At all in general, I loved this 
episode. I'm obsessed with it. The first one is just a comment that I selected. Ahem. Horrifying. Thanks, Belle. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Next. <laughs> it's, it's no problem, thing. really. <laughs> I love the theory of her being a writer and this being this a This is from my experiment. wife. I love the theory of her being a writer and this being a fictional experiment of hers, like her making her own creepypasta. I'm choosing to believe that. And you have every right to do so, my love. You, you, you believe what you want to believe, and maybe I'll tell you the truth one day. I believe it was horrific murder by her girlfriend, and I will die on that hill, and I, it makes me so uneasy and feel so ill- Ill at ease. I already said ease. That's twice in one sentence. Ugh, am I even a writer? Um, <laughs> it's 12.38 in the morning and you're like, I can't believe I double, I double I used, used the same word. word in the sentence twice. It is, in fact, nearly 1 a.m. right now yeah. as we're recording this because we procrastinated on this and I had a long day. Um, yeah. So Belle will send me this episode at some inconvenient time tomorrow. Yes, I will I scramble will. to listen to it, and it will be posted tomorrow. Yes, this is this if is Thursday. Not at five, oh, I'm sorry, this is but Friday tomorrow at nearly one a.m. that we're recording <laughs> this, and it's a yep. long episode, so you're gonna suffer while editing. It's gonna be awful. Anyway, yep. next one. Where in the wall did she put the camera? Was there ever an investigation into that after these entries were made public? The camera was, I believe, behind the bed. So she put the camera behind in the wall behind the bed. I do not remember exactly because it is one forty. Sorry, twelve forty. No, you're morning. right about that. I remember that detail. Is it was behind the bed? Yeah, and so she probably made an incision into the wall and then like plastered over it or something. But it wasn't there. They did open her wall to see if she had hidden it there but well her friend did they did not so that leads into the second part of this question was there ever an investigation no that's part of why this case is so horrifying is that it really is something that you come across in the corner of the internet that was meant to be published and her friend was a police officer but he couldn't he was he was described as being a low-ranking police officer he hadn't been doing it for very long so he was unable to reopen the case he did try to do his own investigation but he could not find her yay this case this case really does just give me the heebie-jeebies in the worst way i'm so glad i'm so glad all right, tell us tell us about the episode. And your thoughts, theories, questions, comments, your your feelings, your deepest musings, your process. I wrote this episode starting at 10 p.m. and I finished it at 1:30 a.m. And so, as you watch our main character uh, Verity sink into the horrors of the situation around her, I was progressively getting deeper into the night with less things interacting with me and my cats slowly just crawling around because they're both they're all black cats so there's just this like slight background noise i don't listen to music when i write it was kind of creepy but i was really into it so i did write the whole thing in those like great hours it was great it was really good I was very, very nervous about using a first person perspective for this case because I thought that We'd never done that before, and I wasn't sure if it was appropriate, but I am really happy with how it turned out. So, oh, it's so good. 
Graveyard Shift, I definitely loved. I love how it was set up where everyone was human. I truly believe that if I was in any of those first three people's position and offered the money that they were receiving, I can't see myself not taking it. I mean, these people were desperate. These people needed money. I mean, I've lost a parent. I can't imagine losing them both at 18. I was 20. So, you know, <laughs> not much better than 18, but losing them both in a tragic accident all at once, both of them healthy for your birthday, for a request that you made, and then having all of it ripped from you and having all of this debt placed upon you in the same fell swoop and having to try to cope with that while getting a job and giving up your dreams just to try to hold on to the memory of your parents or to be thrown into homelessness after you suffered your whole life because your parents didn't care to take care of you and your siblings. And your siblings got to live a great life, but because you suffered the abuse the most and you took on all of it onto your shoulders you have always had to carry the burden of not being loved and then you had to work and you couldn't work for a while and when finally you run into some money yeah and that's what's horrifying about it to me is that you can see why these people did that you can Mm -hmm. see absolutely the thought process of I need help. These mm-hmm. these people are not much older than I am. And I can see people that I know, if they were in these horrible situations that I've described, you got to take care of your family. You got to take care of yourself. Imagine how desperate these people were after years of doing this, like years of overworking themselves, years of trying to just get back on their feet after life kicked them in the ass. Yeah, I would like to say I like when I when I think about that and I think about those people's positions, I I like to think that I would not do something as extreme. And I don't I don't know. I think it would depend on how informed I was about what was going on, whether I would do it or not. And I like to sit here, you know, in my comfy little chair and say, "Oh, I would never do that." But one of the things I loved, one of my favorite parts of the entire episode was this little section in Verity's I haven't told you this before, but it was in Verity's little entries. She said, like, she saw the woman and stuff, and she saw the woman on the screen suffering and left without recording. And she was horrified at herself because she said, I always thought I would be the kind of person to intervene and to do something, and I didn't. And I thought, oh, that's so good. That's so real, because I could totally see that happening to me. And I was like... Well, then again, you also wrote Verity apparently to be me on accident, but... I I didn't. I really didn't. (laughs) On accident. Verity is not me. I I would not have survived that ordeal, and she might have, so... I I also do want to say for the audience that it was not mentioned. I don't know why I didn't mention it, because I specifically put it into her character. Verity, unbeknownst to Sam, had taken... What was it? It was... She was originally going to major in journalism instead of creative writing, and she had switched. And she had taken, but she had taken classes for it. Mm -hmm. So when it came to 
an actual journalism case she knew what to do she was doing investigative journalism right there she was doing investigative journalism and that was part of her character is that she did that but i do like the direction that it ended up going where it was more of a i have to do make right what i did wrong Mm. even though she had not done anything wrong again verity i do not remember her age but she's roughly 22 also that's a hard age to see that at if any anyone at any age could have freaked out and not taken a video and it's not like she chose not to take a video she didn't do anything morally wrong she just wasn't perfect she was just human and that i i I just i just loved that little snippet where she specifically said i always thought i would be the kind of person to do something and when the time came i failed i was like oh i love that it was realistic after as well where she continued to remember the woman and continued to want to help her I will say that one of my favorite pieces of this writing is that she did not fall out of love with Sam. I thought that was very realistic because love does not go away in a night, no matter how horrible someone has been to you or to other people for that matter. In most cases. But in this one, I loved how she was more horrified with her love for Sam at the end. It broke me when Sam came to find her to make sure that she was okay and she had been with them the whole time and they had and she had been the one upsetting her she was the one that had done this to her and verity still hugged her Mm -hmm. and still wanted to hold her and still wanted to be loved so deeply and then the entries end with her just wondering but why it was so good it was such a good episode i I will never top that episode. You will never top that episode. That's just it. That's the end. All be- we have to quit on true crime now. We'd have to make that the series finale. That's we're we're not gonna do that. We we have a lot of more planned episodes. We're gonna keep going. But yeah, we do. And I do have an episode again. I've I have some really fantastic episodes planned for next season. I'm quite excited. I'm gonna have to up them. my game. So I'm excited though. I really I like hear your them. episodes. Thank you. But I like I, your episodes. You, no, you're not gonna hear them. You're not hear them because they're gonna be my little secrets until we start to record i'll hear them when you record or when we record yeah. <laughs> all righty guys all right. that was our q a so that's all for today thanks for listening we will see you guys again next season here on untrue crime i would say goodbye but we will see you a little bit before next season we're gonna have a bit of a longer break mm-hmm. but we're gonna do something in between just to make sure that you know you guys, we like you guys, and you like us, so we're gonna make sure that we say hello. We will, we will give we'll content during this break, but it won't be full length episodes, and it'll be a short break, and then we will be right back. But we're gonna try to get a little bit ahead of the game so that we don't have these unexpected breaks um, in the future. So yeah, yeah, life had a really funny way of doing that mm-hmm. this season, so we're gonna make sure that this does not happen again. Yeah.